welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James, and each week I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. This week, I'm delighted to welcome Adam Harwood, who is head of L&D at hospitality brand D&D London. Adam is recognised as a modern learning and development leader with higher expectations of what digital can offer the most and a track record of doing stuff that really works. It's a fascinating, revealing conversation into Adam's approach and how he's made it work in such different organisations. And I think you'll enjoy it. So let's get into it. Adam, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, you're a man in demand at the moment, both for your refreshing views on L&D, but mainly because of your skill set. And I suppose as an indication of that, you've recently moved from heading up L&D at Revolut to a comparable role at D&D. But before I give too much away, tell us about your last couple of years. Wow. Okay. Uh, where do I start? <laughs> I always think about when I first met you. Um, I was at ASOS. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where it all started for me. I'd been in previous L&D roles before that, but I don't want to give you know my whole career story <laughs> away. Um, and I was a learning partner. And I, I believe I was doing the standard, you know, taking requests, running workshops, mm-hmm. doing that sort of stuff. And I got to the point where I realized I didn't think, I didn't feel like I was making an impact in what I was doing. Mm. And I knew that the way the workforce was changing and the way that I was as a learner through you know, modern technology, you know, using Google to get what you need and finding stuff on demand, I thought there has to be a different way. And I made a slight pivot in my role mm-hmm. from learning partner to digital learning partner and that came about from frustration but also determination to try something different and as a result i was in that role um for about two years or so mm-hmm. and um had some great opportunities and great uh chances to try different approaches to D, which you know i guess is why i'm here today mm-hmm. uh, and um from then onwards, really, I, I took on a role at Revolut, so the fintech challenger bank, um, which was, again, a great opportunity to work in a startup. And from there, as you said, working in, uh, well, from taking fintech to fine dining uh, yeah. in <laughs> London uh, as head of L&D. So, and it has been an amazing few years, really. I feel, I feel that, um, you know, there has been progression, but it's it's all come about from just taking a chance and really believing that, what L&D stands for, what it can be, and the potential of it in an organisation, it can really make a difference if you mm. believe in it and you really push for it. So, And it's and it's been a bit of a whirlwind. It's all happened in such a, a short amount of time. Yes. There's got to be validation for both your your vision and your approach, I suppose coupled with a, a strong skill set. You know how to do this stuff. But how would you describe these? What? How do you describe your, your, your vision and your skill set? I would say that maybe the biggest difference that sets me apart from other people is that my ability to put myself in the user's shoes Mm. and knowing that learning or learning development starts and ends with your people. And I mean, what I mean by that in, in two ways, which is that an appreciation that how we learn today is completely changed. Mm -hmm. I still refer to that degreed uh, graph, which shows uh, how often people go to different places to get what they need to mm-hmm. learn and we know that classroom is rare yeah. but we know that daily the habits are 
they're going on Google, they're, or they're asking someone next to them. And mm-hmm. I think it's, first of all, recognising that is what real life is all about. That's what people are doing. Yeah. So an appreciation of that, and knowing that our users are doing that, I believe a lot of people in they still believe that they, they're going to classrooms to get what they need, which mm. which I think is uh, is not what I believe. And second of all, I think that focusing on people's real challenges, the real friction and the real problems that they that exist in their organizations and exist in their roles. I think that fine-tuning your user experience right down to the point of, okay, what's going on? What's stopping you from what you want to achieve or what you're, what's in front of you? And really solving that stuff, not, not running communication skills training, time mm. management training, whatever, really getting to the point of understanding what is the real challenges someone as a new manager, a new starter might have in your organization. So it's much more user-centered than it is um, topic-centric, which 100%. is the the old way we'd yeah. have. So the old way is that we would have programs and content that, that covered most of the disciplines and the core skills you'd expect from time management to conflict to communication and all of that stuff. And when somebody recognised that they needed to develop in any of those areas, it was easy. All they need to do is that they would attend a programme, they would do some e-learning. Um, then, you know, perhaps we would blend this so that, yeah. that we had they had a, a, a pivotal experience in the middle, which was largely face-to-face. And then there was some other stuff to increase the value or the um, the, the chances of, of their experience on a, on a programme. Um, would last but what you're talking about is that it's let's let's leave the topics to one side let's let's concentrate on the people and what they are trying to do and then support them guide and support them when they need that help because i think that 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 degreed um infographic where it says that people will web search daily will ask peers um perhaps daily or weekly will go to articles and blogs and videos on a on again on a weekly basis to to places perhaps they they trust. It showed us that that people were doing this in service of their work goals. Yeah. They weren't necessarily waiting for opportunities to continuously develop. Yeah. It was all about their work, which again I think it provides a, a whole level of insight. And then match that with the empathy that you're describing, because you can put yourself in their shoes, and all of all of a sudden you're reimagining what learning and development can be doing. Absolutely. And, you know, and I, I think what I, I said at the start about the potential of the learning development, I think that's the sweet spot where we can really help people get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And by creating really useful stuff that speaks to them about their challenges, their pain points, their problems and the questions that they have. And all it comes down to is asking the question. Because yeah. I, I think in contrast, old world, new world, old world L&D is thinking they know the answers. Mm-hmm being in a lab for three months, creating something and putting it out there to people and going, actually, is this any good? Mm. They haven't even, you know, like I said, it starts and ends with your people. And I think that's really important by and asking the questions. What are the pain points, the challenges and the situations they're going through? And you've been doing this in, in ways that you would hear a lot on social media with, you know, resources before courses yep. um, that you will be working with and for the client in an agile sense, um, focusing on the outcomes rather than, the activities or the products you know all all of all of all of that stuff which is incredibly progressive for a lot of learning and development uh, professionals especially learning and development leaders um how do you make sure that when you're interviewing for roles if i can talk about your process you've been (laughs) on over the last eight months or so um in which you've successfully gained two roles 
How have you made sure you haven't left your interviewers bewildered by your approach? Um, I mean, if they do get bewildered, then I like leave. (laughs) (laughs) And then I walk out. No, I don't really. (laughs) I think it's important. You know what? Because we've got to be careful not to just talk about buzzwords and jargon, Mm. you know, like resources before courses. I believe in it. But, you know, I've got to appreciate and then use empathy as well for other people in L&D that they, it just might sound like another, you know, expression to use mm. to make us sound modern and new wave. Uh, so I think that when it comes to my interviewers, when I'm when I'm speaking to them and they there is a potential chance they can get bewildered by the language I use, it's all about taking them on a journey. Mm. And again, trying to put them in the learner's shoes. So, for example, let's say in my recent interviews where I might have to explain how I approach the onboarding or induction process would be to talk about, first of all, what was the goal? What was the output? The output was you want to help get new starters up to speed as soon as possible. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the old world would be that on day one, you would fill their heads full of content (laughs) and hope they remember it all. They go off their merry way back to their desks. They've forgotten it all. They're still asking John behind and they're still trying to Google the answer and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So we know, so that's the first thing that everyone's been for induction. Everyone knows they've always been a new starter. So you can contrive and create empathy by saying, hey, look, you know, you've been there. We have new starters every week. They're going through this. So in contrast, what I did at ASOS, for example, was we knew that that was what we wanted to achieve. We knew that we had a digital savvy workforce. We knew they wanted the answers there and then. We knew they Googled what they needed to find. So build resources mm-hmm. and don't just build resources and have them there in this kind of content heavy learning management system, you know, right from the very start, the moment they sign that contract, imagine, and I use the word imagine because it's quite an effective word. Imagine that you are at home, you are two weeks before you're about to start your new job and you get a ping in your email. Here's some resources that will help you before you're about to start at this company. And of course it's got all of the questions that we know that they would want the answer to because you know what? We've asked them yeah. and we've spoken to them. It's not just stuff we think they need. It's stuff we know they need because we spoke to pe- previous new starters that have been through that same journey. And then, of course, when you arrive in the workforce on day one, then, of course, you have more resources that guide and support you through that journey. And they're not just like loaded on you and you have to navigate through them yourself. They are automated. So they, they are timely and mm. they are giving you what you want when you need it. And again, that they were all built um, with our audience by our audience. And I think that's they're all context specific to the anxiety and the concerns and the challenges they might have. And I think for me, if I do a good job of it, and hopefully I have just then, <laughs> if you can take that person on a journey of this is how we did it, um, then they'll understand. And I yeah. think they, they will again put themselves in the shoes of, oh yeah, if I was a new starter and I had all those resources, that would really help me. Well, there you go then that's what i can do that's what i can bring to your organization are you going to hire me usually it's yes <laughs> <laughs> and what you've just described there is uh, uh it's i like to, to describe the difference between we need you to know this to oh you'll need this with what you're trying to do now if so fundamentally different approaches you imagine a we need you to know this before people join. It's a breach of the psychological contract, yep. the, emo- the, empl- like the psychological emo- um, employment contract, where you're trying to train people before they join. I think that that, that gets the, the relationship off to the wrong footing. It's not we need you to do, to know this before you join. It is, 
hey, recent new starters said they find this useful yep. before they join the organisation. I hope you do too. Yep. And then that's what's that's what the resources provide as they come on board and as they assimilate and they look to get the right things done at your organisation. Absolutely. And it, and it does require empathy. It requires um, validation. Well, first of all, exploration, then validation of anything that you're going to put in front of people, that that is that's actually going to be useful. Mm. But describe to me, what are what do these resources look like? Because I would posted something on LinkedIn recently and I said that e-learning was this, digital learning is this, and resources are this. And somebody replied, I think that they're just, you know, new words to describe the same thing. Here we go. No, I'm not mm. I'm not actually describing e-learning. If I'm describing e-learning, then you're Google, then you think Google's e-learning. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's exactly. fundamentally different. What is, what are these what do these resources look like? I think you're right about, you know, the comparison to e-learning is is wrong because I've gone through some pretty grueling e-learning, uh, <laughs> as we all have, again. And I think that the true performance support, because we, you know, I think it's, let's, let's not overlook the fact that performance support seems to be a word that we've, we don't really talk about. We don't talk about performance support as much, but mm. that's what it is at the core, yeah. really. And I think that recognizing that if, if you've got an e-learning module, there might be one thing that you need to grab and go from that e-learning module, but we know that nine times out of 10, you've got to go through all of that to mm. find what you need. And all you want to do is go, right, I've got a question that's come to my head. I want to be able to drop in, find it, get it, and get on with my job, yeah. right? We know that e-learning is an obstacle for that. On top of the fact that you probably have to jump into an e-learning module, then you have to log in to a learning management system. You have to find it. And when you find it, you know, there's already five clicks. You've already got like a, a flash graphic that won't load in time. You've already given up, right? Mm. And you've got that situation, whatever it might be, is right in front of you. Mm. And resources unpack the questions. And I wrote an article recently, plug there, just so you can put the <laughs> link in down below if you want, about how... L&D's job is to answer the questions that Google can't. Yeah. So, you know, nine times out of 10, when we're Googling something, everything starts with a, how do I do X? How mm. do I do Y? We all know that we've used it and we've YouTubed it. So imagine if, for me, resources are essentially articles that you would find if you were Googling and it was an internal company Google. Mm. So you'd be able to go, how do I log my expenses for? There you go. And um, what you're doing is you're not crowding it in amongst the web search that, you know, we know if you're looking for something on Google, it's a minefield. Mm -hmm. You're basically going, here's the question that you're likely to have because you're working in this organization at this time. Here you go. And we're going to surface it for you. We're going to make it easy to find. You're going to be able to get it. Watch a video or a screencast to understand how to do it. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to be able to get on with your job, which is what we pay you for. So it's just the answer to your question. Yep. It's the guidance in an unfamiliar situation. It is the 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 local know-how to help you overcome challenges. And the thing, the thing, you know, we've discussed this plenty of times. It's when when you get people early enough, so when they actually need it, the things that you are providing them with are so predictable. Every, I mean, yeah. the, the way I describe it is that if you brought a load of new managers from one organization together after a week of being a manager, and then you said to them, Talk about your experiences. Within no time at all, they'll be saying, that happened to me as yeah, well. That, because what they're doing is rather than um, uh, becoming managers from an academic sense and learning it from reading of the one-minute manager or from some instructional design, 
they're learning how to be a manager within the the context, conf, the, the context of an organisation, which has its own expectations, both from above, from below, from the side, from from outside as well, from customers and clients. So management and leadership happens within that organisation. Yep. There aren't any textbooks on that, nope. but what there are, there are predictable situations and challenges that people face at similar times that if you can surface the right resources then you can guide them and support them as they face these so yeah. so that they um their their reality is supported by expert local know-how yeah absolutely and it's a it's a great feeling if you're a, a learner if we're calling them learners or workers whatever that you click onto a resource and it answers exactly that mm. question that you've you've been in that's been in your head yeah you know the one that's causing you anxiety um like i know that on your previous podcast nick shackleton jones used a an example of resources and referred to it one of them as you know what do i wear on my first day yeah i'll be honest that was us that came up with that one <laughs> sorry nick uh, <laughs> but i think that that is a question that you wouldn't have predicted that like a new starter would be concerned or anxious about. But mm. once you ask them, which we referenced at the start of this podcast, which is important to do, and then you unpack it and go, okay, this is how you do it. This is what you do. Then you're really helping them. You're guiding them. And that, it, that you're almost helping them speed up that process of what they're trying to do. You know, in this case is get them up to speed as soon as possible. And when you're creating things that people actually need and giving it to them when they need it, engagement is the least of your worries. You're not yep. measuring engagement. You're not looking and thinking, oh, we've got 5% more hits on here, trying to drive traffic towards your LMS or learning system to justify the expense. Yep. You're actually driving change. Absolutely. You're actually equipping people to do what they're trying to do. Yep. I, I, I saw an article once, it was Invisible Learning and Development, and there's one phrase in it that I always think about, which is, People don't give a monkey's about learning development. All they want to do is do a good job. So yeah. I think from learning development's perspective, if you can help them do a good job, if you can create useful stuff that matters, then that's the game-changing thing, which sounds really simple. Mm. Um, but there is a there is a slight difference between just throwing content at people and going, well, they might find this useful. It, it does require experiments and you know and a little bit of patience to, to build stuff that actually matters and actually works and is going to land with people and be useful again what you're describing here isn't the traditional learning and development i mean there are bits there are bits in here that people say well you know I, I, we provide some resources we might provide some checklists and this that and the other but the traditional approach is still overwhelm new starters on the first day and then send them off perhaps to do to to do their compliance training for new managers. It's our oh, leave. The, oh no, that sounded flippant there. I think, <laughs> I think it's more um, that you become a manager and you can register for a program and attend that as soon as a place comes up. At the moment, it looks like it might be nine months to a year away. By the way, there's some e-learning that yeah. you might help. How do you feel about waiting that long? Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. I've got to be a manager for nine months. So. <laughs> uh, you know, so there's all that stuff. So, how have you made sure in the interviews that you've had, I keep harping back to these interviews because mm. they're, so, they're so recent, how have you made sure when you've had these interviews that the organisations have matched your perspective of L&D and then, of course, made sure that you're not stuck running training programmes or just managing an LMS? I There's a lot of things here going on, I think. Um, one point I was going to reference earlier, which is you know important to, to phrase and bring up, is that with Revolut in, in particular, you know, I looked at the what they're trying to achieve as a company mm -hmm. and, you know, what they're trying to build and the way they're building it. 
And, you know, I believe that, you know, one of the kind of phrases I use, and I know that's come from you as well, David, which is, uh, you know, removing friction. Mm. I think that's learning development's role is that in all of these employee journeys and all these transitions they go through, we are there and responsible for removing friction. What I learned about Revolut quite early on as a, as a, as a you know, fintech challenger bank, bank is that they want to be a frictionless platform. They yeah. want to make sure that they are, there is no um, hiccups or road bumps along the way in what a, what a customer wants to do. Mm. And for me, I, t- I took that and I thought, well, that's exactly what I want the employee experience to be. You know, mm. I want to make sure that the moment they set foot in Revolut as a manager or wherever it might be, that that, that road for them is frictionless, you know, that you're helping guiding them along the way. So I think that's the first thing. I kind of looked at the company and what they were standing for. And I think, well, I can make, I believe they will understand my philosophy. They will understand my approach because they're trying to do the same thing for the customers. So I think that was the first thing. But mm. if you're kind of working through the interviews and thinking about how you approach it, when you're in the moment, I think, first of all, it starts with, you know, being bold and being brave and putting stuff on your CV that you might not always put on there, you know? And obviously, if you get through the door, then you're already halfway there. They already believe what you can do and, you know, the way you can do it and putting things like resources first and leading with digital, putting that on your CV. You know, if if you're if people don't recognise that, then you won't even get as far as the interview, mm. first of all. Um, I think when you're looking at job descriptions, look for the clangers, the danger words, learning management system being one, e-learning being another. But don't dismiss that. That's one thing I probably would say, Mm. because, you know, if you want to be the change you want to see and you want to create a job that you want, you might have to just like bypass those words and just go to interview and then try and shape it in the way that you want to shape it. And I think the one question I asked on both occasions was where did the role come from? And and what's the mandate for the role as well? You know, understanding a little bit about like the background, what the, are they looking for someone to just come in and keep it ticking over and do all the training courses they've always done because they've always done them or they're looking to modernize, they're looking to disrupt, they're looking to actually help uh, use learning and development to achieve their business goals. Mm. You can just tap into some of the language um, and also as much as you do the talking and you're asking the questions, listen. I think it's really important to how are they talking about the role of learning and development. If they're talking in terms of, okay, here's our challenges as a business, uh, here's our priorities that we want that are facing us. If they're talking in terms of, you know, that sort of stuff, then that's the stuff that you want to kind of go, okay, well, they're, they're, I could be onto something here. If they're mm. talking in terms of like, oh, we run 250 courses last year, we want to do up, do another 500, you're like, Ah, okay. Different type of, you know. Again, it, we talk about it a lot, which is activity output. Mm. You know, those big, di- the big difference there. They're talking more in terms of their goals rather than just all the products and services you could put out there. Then you're, you're, you know, that that's what you need to look out for. Um, I, sorry, I think that speaks volumes about you, though. I mean, it's it, it's easier to run a schedule of programs and and administer an LMS because you just measure it in terms of. Attendance, completion, and satisfaction. Yeah. And what you're describing there is harder. You're you're biting off a lot there by by saying you want to be in learning development. You want to affect what's important to the business. You are increasing their own expectations of what the learning and development function can do, and then saying, "Well, if I'm going to have some KPIs, then it's got to be related to what we're trying to." fix in the business i mean it's it's bold it's brave it is but in a way when i think about when i turn the corner to thinking a lot more like this Mm -hmm. i think what's the point in doing any other way yeah honestly because i think that 
I know I've seen value impacted and I know that, you know, this is the way you can really be in line with the business and you can make impact. Mm. If you, if you don't do it in this way and you're just kind of running the curriculum, running courses for me, and this is personal, but I just don't feel like I'll, I would make impact. So, mm. you know, for me, it's all about going, how can I you know service the goals of the organization, you know, and not just be in a bubble siloed in learning development hoping i'm achieving and helping along the way mm. um the other thing just to add and and this is just in terms of that whole interview process because in both occasions i did do a home task or what do you call it like a, like a challenge mm-hmm. i think that is your opportunity to you know really stake your claim and go right well if they're allowing me to demonstrate my thinking and my approach and my principles then that is your time to do it mm. you know you can Fake it till you make it with the words you use. But if you're really going to kind of put it out there and go, okay, if the challenge, for example, is, hey, what learning management system would you bring in? My response in on that said home task was, I wouldn't, mm. you know? And if they're going to go, well, we still like this guy, then you might have found the perfect organization you're about to work mm. for. And you may not know this, but I get the calls from, from heads of HR um, and from headhunters and recruiters asking if I know people who are forward thinking, who are um, thinking about how you might lead with digital and solve the real problems of the business, um, use data and all, and all of that stuff. So so that I'm hearing firsthand that the, the market is changing out there. But what you have experienced in trying to hire is that there is a discrepancy or in in your example, there was a discrepancy between what you were looking to bring in mm-hmm. for a team member and the market. Tell us a little bit about that disparity. Well, I think that, you know, there's there's not that many people that like are thinking in like disruptive way in mm-hmm. learning development. And, you know, I think that but, you know, when you do find them, they're like like gold dust in a way. And well, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. That sounds quite harsh. Like there's like a, it's like a minority of people mm-hmm. that think the way. I just think that you've got to work hard to find them. I think yeah. that's really important. And uh, you know, I, I I guess when I went out to hire in the market and what I thought I did was put together a, a solid J D that maybe would set aside um traditional folk and maybe think maybe appeal to people that are forward thinking i was still getting a lot of people that were i would say and consider traditional Mm. you know talking about activity over output again talking about how many courses are run and the coaching and everything like that and i'm like and that that is that is quite tough so you've got to maybe rethink and reframe what you're going after and what you're trying to achieve and you know i'd say that the the type of skills you're looking for you know digital skills mm. you know are they you know are, are, and someone has again going back to the point at the very start which is someone has empathy that okay well if you're working in learning development you're also kind of a learner a worker as well mm. if someone comes in and shows an appreciation that well i i wouldn't go through that e-learning course i wouldn't sit for a mm. three-day course i would you know I'd, i know i wouldn't do that myself then you kind of that's something that you're you're looking to you're looking to kind of pull out of this because i think that nine times out of ten it's it all comes back to if they can put themselves in the shoes of someone going through whatever it might be then you you kind of you're halfway there and you from our conversation before you're looking you're not looking for a deliverer you're not looking for necessarily a facilitator you're looking for somebody who's got those consultative skills who um is is more investigative 
and not taking the uh, the surface request yeah. as uh, as read, then somebody who will apply an agile methodology to it, which is more around understanding and well, first of all, working with the actual client. So not wait until you've got them on a course or you know they're sitting in front of the e-learning. Actually working with them to understand what the problem is they're trying to solve and then solve it with them together to get an MVP till you've got something that you can scale. So it it really isn't about a and the, the worst the worst end of this is the order taker. Yeah. You know, someone I know, comes to a request and you go, yeah, cool, I'll, I'll go and deliver that. It's someone who's willing to push and find out a little bit more and get under the skin of it and unpack it and really find out what the real challenges are that exist rather than just accept it as face value. Like, oh, that person's not good at talking to John. Well, I'll put on a communication skills training. It's actually mm-hmm. someone who will, you know, go a little bit further. You know, like you said, be a little bit more consultative and push for what the, the real answers are and what the real challenges are. So so if there was somebody who was um, perhaps beginning their journey or perhaps just one step on one step of their journey in learning and development and wanted to work with you. <laughs> you, you might be, <laughs> I don't know, you might have designs on, on growing your team. Um, what, what kind of things are you looking for? If you said to them, look, if I was going to say there were three areas you should develop, what, what, what would you say you look, you would be looking for? That's the difference. Only three areas. <laughs> I, I think, I think for me, I think like, you know, we talked at the start, user experience mm. and appreciation for that. Um, I think or working with data is really important, I think, because not that's where, like we talked about with the order taker is something that, you know, nine times out of 10, someone will come to you and say, hey, I want put this on, put them on this course and you put them on the course or whatever. If you fight, if you're if you are analytical and you go under the surface and dig a bit deeper and look for evidence that is, again, a type of person you want because they're not just taking it as the face value request. They are trying to find, they're trying to validate what what it might be that's mm-hmm. in front of them. I think that's really important. So, yeah, like I think user experience, working with data. Um, and I, I would say this sounds, sounds kind of broad, but just like have an appreciation of how digital is affecting our lives right now. Like, mm-hmm. and because I, you know, for me, it's someone who recognizes digital is real life, you know, yeah. in every day and what we do with our, you know, the way we get a taxi, the way we order the pizza, it's very much, you know, it's all about the convenience of getting something, what we want or what we're trying to achieve. It helps us do that. Mm. If people can see that actually, if that's what's happening in real life, then that must be happening in the world of learning development. How can the two come together? If it's appreciation of that, then I really feel like the rest you can learn along the way. I think mm. if that is the first point of, someone challenging and going well i'm not going to sit in a classroom i wouldn't put myself through that e-learning module or whatever it might be i appreciate that real life is people are searching for stuff they're searching for stuff they're looking for it they just want to find it to get on with the job in front of them mm. i think have an appreciation of real life which you don't always see your jds <laughs> um, but i think that you know for any young aspiring lnd person i think that there is so much opportunity to to have a go and you know i think that like follow people on twitter go to conferences and blog and have a go and experiment and try something different and i think that's for me my journey on from from 
from where I was to where I am right now all started because um, it came out of frustration, me feeling like I wasn't making impact, making value and trying something different, experimenting mm-hmm. with it and going, well, actually that worked. And I feel like it made a difference. And it was again, working with resources, being digital and being real life and put myself in the shoes of the user. And I think that, again, if you are that person listening to this and you think, well, okay, I want to make a difference, then there will be a way that you can experiment with that. Or if not, in your own organization, find out from people who are already doing it. What are their lessons and what are the, what is their advice? All solid, solid yeah. advice. I think it's uh, uh, highly practical and, and very useful. But I've been easy on you so far, Adam. Oh, right. No big, tough questions yet. Oh, so this is the one. This is, a, this is a profession question. What is holding L&D back? In your opinion, what is holding L&D back from modernising and having greater impact in the way that you've already described? Okay. You have been easy on me. That, that is a tough <laughs> one because it, it can go in a million different one directions. And I think that I one of the things we've already alluded to, which is learning and development being an order taker. Mm. And I don't think that's always their fault because it's it's a real challenge. Again, the question is what's holding them back? The organization and the managers to a certain extent, the directors and heads of whoever, the senior leadership, expect LD to run courses and have a curriculum mm-hmm. and all of this. So it's 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 hard to make that shift, which I think that, you know, and if you want to just keep people happy and, you know, you want to just kind of do the run of the mill stuff, then it's easy to stay in that bubble, keep on doing it, you know, keeping the lights on and running courses because the business expects it and that's what they consider L and D for. I think there's more conversation there because I think that that's not, I, you know, I think the, how do you get around that one? Because I think that's, again, there's a difficult one to kind of work with that when you've got your own stakeholders that are compounding the problem of you, even if you wanted to modernize, you've got them going, well, what's that? Yeah. You know, let's, I want to, I want you to run courses, not, you know, not be trying anything snazzy like digital stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Donald Taylor calls that the training ghetto. Yeah. Like it's, you know, the, the, the organization start, there's low expectation of L and D, and there's just a traditional kind of hygiene element to yeah. we'll just do what's done. And of course, if you're going to measure, one of your key measures is going to be satisfaction. Then if you want to be popular and measure it from satisfaction, it's, it's a popularity it's easy, contest, yeah. isn't Absolutely. it? Yeah. Um, but to, sorry, yeah, just go to, on. on that note, I think that, because I didn't really answer your question. I think what, what's whole because I think we're holding ourselves back a little bit. Yeah. I can't just blame the business and go, because I think that the business want their people to like perform well. Mm. So if we can show them that they a different way can help them perform even better, then they'll be open to that. I think, you know, and I think that takes bravery and courage to try something different. I think that, you know, something that you um, introduced me to, which is the idea of the, the L and D core, which Mm. is that I think we are stuck in this prison of just doing what we've always done and regurgitating, refreshing, you know, Oh, induction needs changing. Let's move a few slides around. Mm. It's, it's that stuff we, we are stuck in when, there are real business challenges and problems that are existing beyond that that we we're not close to, and I think that's that that's part of the problem as well. It's easier to stay in that that core and that bubble rather than actually going. What's really going on out there? In addition to that, and I think this is, I hope hopefully this one's easing out a little bit. But the the idea of being seen, you know, yeah. as in like if you're at the front of the room and you're training, then you're being seen to be delivering something, and you're like you know, you're useful to the mm-hmm. business, you know, and I think that's, that's a shame because I still think, you know, 
invisible LDs, stealthy. We don't we're alongside the employees. We don't necessarily have to be on top of them or in a room with them. We're just guiding them along. Mm. I don't, you know, but I think in some cases and some organisations, it might be problematic that the only way that L and D is seen to be doing a good job is if you're in a room and there's delegates in there and you're training them. Yeah. So, so some of that's about reevaluating and reappraising our own value, isn't it? About yep. recognizing that that we have a more important role if we want to craft that, if we want to go and take that, which is not around the delivery of programs and the provision of content, uh, administration, and trying to make people satisfied or you know or, or make ourselves popular, um, but but around addressing those real needs and about reframing that to leadership. The, the leadership in the organization i think that requires leadership from us yeah. and that requires once we've reappraised our value and perhaps extended and um expected more from from learning and development as a profession then we can sell that to leaders on the basis of what it can deliver for them on what is what is important to them not it's not just about bottom line a lot of um smart organizations uh care about their people but what problems are they really solving I mean, are people really happy with attending a course once a year, once every two years, and having access to a load of e-learning? Is that is that really ticking the box, or are you really helping them to become um, more fulfilled and capable professionals that feel as if they are getting stretched within the context of their role and supported as they transition and achieve more within that organisation? Because if that's what they want then there's a better way of doing this than delivering programs and, and providing um, just some content. Definitely. So finally, Adam, um, we're going to have um, the odd listener or two um, who are leaders themselves. They're either looking for a new role and listening to this and thinking, I need to refresh my my thinking and update my skills. Or they might be within their role now thinking, I like the sound of this. I like the conversation that you that you personally have with leaders, whether that is during the interview process or whether that's as you establish yourself. So what advice would you give to them considering they may they may be quite a way back on their own journey? I think go after it. I really do. I know it sounds like just classic advice, you know, and cliche to be honest, but you know, I'm, I again I'm trying to think about like my journey and, you know, knowing that I knew there was a different way of doing this, I, I saw that what I was doing wasn't adding value. And I thought, well, I'm going to go after something different. Yeah. And, you know, that sent me on this quest quest of where I am right now. And I feel like I'd like to think that the learning development that I endorse and my approach and principles do align with the business to actually make an impact and add value. So I think that, you know, go after it. And, you know, I'd say network and like reach out to people reach out and share what you're doing. I, I always thought some people in learning development in their own organization can kind of stay stuck in that bubble of their own organization and how L&D does it. You know, and I think that be brave, go on Twitter, go on LinkedIn and follow people and ask people that are willing to share because everyone always is willing to share, particularly mm. in our profession. They want to they wanna tell you what they've been up to. They want to share ideas. And I think that, you know, reaching out to a few people that may inspire you. Um, I would absolutely advocate that because that's what I did. And I really feel like it added value because I don't think I'd be where I was today if it wasn't for leaning on people, networking with people, having conversations, and then applying those conversations, applying that knowledge in your own organization and, you know, experiment with it and have a go. And to a certain extent, fail fast. You know, look, look at what you've 
maybe try something different if it doesn't work try something else you know i i i I tried loads of different things when it came to learning technologies and digital and like, you know, how can I transfer learning? Can I put eBooks here? Can I move those PDFs? All those sort of things. I was just curious more than anything of like, how can I make this land? How can I make help someone with the job in front of them? And so I think there was a lot of me just experimenting with just like different ideas and, you know, you'll land on one where you go, actually that lands with my people. They're telling me it does. They're telling me it's useful. And once you hit that and you hit that sweet spot, then that, can open a lot of doors um and i would say have patience as well you know this is if you're if you're in a role right now and you're doing the lnd in the way you've done it you can't just stop and hit the pause button and go right i'm going to dramatically change everything i've always done or everything i've always known but just something i've referred to on another podcast is just be curious and know that there might be an alternative way to the way that you currently do learning development and see where that takes you that's what would be my advice Wonderful. You talked about um, following people and reaching out on social media, which yep. is a good point in which I might ask you uh, if people want to follow you online in a non-spooky way or perhaps reach out, how can they do so? I would say Twitter's the best um, medium for that in terms of tweeting about L&D stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's at Adam Harwood 26. Um, aside from that, find me on LinkedIn. I wouldn't bother with Facebook or Instagram. Those are the two <laughs> main vehicles, unless you want to look at pictures of me and stalk me on Facebook. That's totally up to you. <laughs> and um, we'll put some links in the uh, in the the show notes and also to the article that uh, that you mentioned earlier as well, Adam. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. It's been a candid conversation, Thank and you. it's been I'm sure it's hugely valuable to people who are in um, uh, perhaps a position and looking and wondering what they might be able to do next. So. Thank you. I think it's been a great conversation. Thanks, David. Cheers. What a great conversation. Adam is clearly not resting on his laurels and his indomitable drive for progress and results is an inspiration to us all. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning. Connect on LinkedIn or Facebook, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. Goodbye for now. <laughs>